Hi, voice teachers. Today's podcast, podcast number 28, is a music studio spotlight. My special guest is Nicola Canton from Dublin, Ireland. She is a passionate piano teacher who, by the way, does a lot of singing with her piano students, and she's going to tell you why. Uh, She also creates great teaching resources, and she is a music teaching blogger. On her Colorful Keys blog for the month of January, she has created a 30-day music teaching studio refresh. So if you are in need of some New Year's inspiration, you are going to enjoy this interview. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hey, voice teachers, piano teachers, music teachers. Thank you for joining me on the Full Voice Podcast. And Happy New Year. If you are listening to this podcast around the time of release, it is January 2017. And I hope you wished in the new year with friends and family and loved ones and with some maybe some new year intentions, maybe some goals. I have to admit, I, I like a clean slate. I like a new book. I like a new page, you know, a fresh page, nothing's on it. And there's all sorts of possibilities. I love that. And the new year is a great time just to kind of reset, reevaluate, look past, look into the past and see how you did and look to the future and see if you can do better and what opportunities are there for you. So I hope that I hope that the new year is a wonderful time for you. Now, if you are looking for some New Year's inspiration, my interview with my special guest is definitely going to give you that. So my special guest, uh, her name is Nicola. She is from Dublin, Ireland. Now, as I said in my intro, she is a piano teacher. However, uh, she does do a lot of singing with her students. She's going to tell you why. Um, But the reason that I was excited to have her on our podcast was because of her 30-day music teaching studio refresh. This is on her Colorful Keys blog. Now, I've signed up for it. And every day I get these wonderful little challenges that really make me think about my business and my teaching studio. And it's not specific to just being teaching piano or voice. It's for any kind of teaching studio. And I'm having a lot of fun. Now I do have a confession. I know we're a few days into January and I was originally supposed to speak to Nicole uh, a little bit uh, in like at the end of December, but um, I got sick and I lost my voice. So we had to delay the interview, but it's not too late. There's still plenty of time, and I am very excited for you to meet this wonderful woman, this inspired teacher. I know she's going to make you smile, and uh, this is my fun interview that I had with this lovely lady. First of all, Nicola, thank you so much for finding time in your busy schedule. Today is your first day back teaching, which is uh, always a challenging day. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about your teaching studio, about your blog, and, well, about everything that you do, because you seem to be a very busy lady. So, first of all, um, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about your teaching studio and how long you've been teaching and what kind of students you work with. Okay, well, um, I started teaching when I was about 16, 15, 16 years old um, as a sort of hobby income 
while I was still in school. And then I kept teaching, as a lot of people do, I think. Um, I kept teaching then right away through school, then through college. Um, but I actually didn't study music. I studied fashion design in college. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So then I went and did that. I did a one-year internship and I worked a little bit in the industry. Um, and then wasn't completely satisfied and left there and started teaching again, just as a little experiment. And before when I was teaching in school, I guess I didn't, I took it seriously, but I didn't really get into it. And mm -hmm. then when I started again, I just loved it. I, I really got into the creative side of it and making my own materials and games and all that sort of stuff and found it really enjoyable and haven't looked back. That is very interesting. It's funny how our paths lead us to music because it's not always a direct path. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just kind of fell back into it, but then it was the perfect, perfect way to go. So. Well, that's awesome. Now, what uh, what ages of students are you working with in your in your teaching studio? So the youngest would be I take students as young as three and a half sometimes. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. The youngest at the moment is just four. OK. Um, just turned four. And then all the way up, I teach adult students as well. So. OK. I always like to ask uh, teachers this. So what what age is your favorite? What age is my favorite? You know, I love teaching a whole mix of ages. That's my favorite part of it. Right. I think if I get stuck teaching one age, it would be different. But my favorite thing is taking students. I actually love taking on transfer students, which I know is unusual. Really? Talk to yeah. me about that. Because most teachers are terrified of, of transfer students. And we did a blog all about transfer students. Um, yeah. And a podcast about it. Okay, so why do you like transfer students? Well, they're definitely challenging and there's difficult parts of it, um, but it's also more satisfying because we have a really strong, which I think you do here uh, as well, um, here we have a very strong exam culture. Yes. And students can get really, really stuck in doing the three pieces a year, we call it. Right. So like just doing their exam repertoire and they learn nothing else. Mm. And so when I get a transfer student, you know, I immediately will give them tons of levels of repertoire and expose them to pop music and whatever they want to learn. And that's really enjoyable because suddenly they just realize, oh, music can be this really fun thing. It's not this like academic, just slogging through exam after exam. It can be really fun. So I love that moment when they get to really use the skills that they've worked so hard for in a way that they enjoy. So you're putting the joy back in their music lessons. Yeah, exactly. And they still continue to do exams. It's just that they do lots of other stuff as well. I so love they that. they get to enjoy it, you know. That is wonderful. Now, how you're also a very, very prolific blogger. I was on your website. You have some incredible articles, really well-written and thoughtful articles about every aspect of teaching and also running um, a studio. Uh, how long have you been blogging for? I've been blogging, I think, for about three years. Um, yeah, and probably more seriously for the last two, writing proper in-depth articles. Originally, it was just a place to share freebies and, and different printables and stuff with other teachers and then started getting more into the writing side of it. So, yeah, probably two years properly. 
How much time do you spend a week teaching and how much time do you spend blogging? How do you split your time? Um, well, teaching at the moment, I have uh, 34 students. So a lot of them would be 45 minutes. So that's about 22 hours of teaching, okay. actual taught hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, you know, planning and stuff for that. And then right. blogging, it's normally, I mean, I normally blog on Sundays. That's normally when they're released and that's normally when they get done as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they're supposed to be done in advance, of course. But <laughs> yes, I yeah. know, I know how that works. It, it never works out that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, uh, when I was talking to you uh, um, over the internet, um, you talked about uh, how you incorporate a lot of singing activities into your lessons. Um, so, uh, can you tell me a little bit about? what you do with your piano students, how you get them singing, what kind of activities you do? Yeah, um, it's something that wasn't included at all in my piano lessons. And um, it really started with, because there's a section of the exams here, I don't know whether it's included in piano exams over there, where you have to sing, at sight sing. Um, <gasps> they have to sight sing in piano exams? Yeah, in all exams. And oh, the singing, I love that. The singing exams, they get the same test that the piano students do, which is a bit mean. <laughs> Because it shouldn't really be the same level. Wow. Okay. So yeah. you have to you have to work on sight singing with all of your students. Yeah. And when I was growing up, my teachers did not work on that at all. It was just left. They just told you to just have a go, just get it <gasps> roughly. You know, it's the- only a few percent, but it was the part that you dreaded. It was terrifying. Because oh it's terrifying to sing in front of any someone anyway, but to sight sing with no preparation. Um yeah, so it really started the singing. I started including um, solfa in piano, right? Mostly as a way to to prepare my students for that section of the exams because they were terrified of it too. And I thought, mm-hmm. right, there has to be a better way to do this. Basically, mm-hmm. so we got into solfa that way. Um, and then last summer, I did uh, a week long Kadai training course. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, we have a Kadai Institute here, so uh, that was really enjoyable. So it's been bringing more and more singing in and, you know, singing and movement and those sort of things into lessons that way. Um, and also just singing along as a way to help students, you know, get through their piece or find what they're doing. It's much uh, more enjoyable for them if you're singing the note that you, instead of just saying, no, it's an A, you sing along, oh, yeah. you know. Um I- it's a much more musical way to, to correct, really. Oh, I love that. I'm still in shock that your piano students have to sing. sing <laughs> because I have yeah, to tell you mean? that, um, I mean, my voice students, voice students for exams here... Um, they have to sight sing, but it is not part of any other um, instrumentalists' uh, yeah. uh, curriculum. It's not in their exams, which I do believe uh, is unfortunate because they are expected if they go into university post-secondary that they would be sight singing. So sometimes a lot of these musicians get to that post-secondary level and then they realize they have to sing. So yeah. they're often not Which prepared. Which makes it even more terrifying, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> you're already 18. Oh, my goodness. I, yeah. I don't think any of my piano colleagues here would enjoy hearing that, that they have to do that. <laughs> Evil yeah, Nikki. I do think it should at least be a, a little bit easier um, than the singing one. But anyway, 
Right? <laughs> yeah, like a different level maybe. But I, I do think it's a valuable part of it. And it's only a few marks or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it does terrify people. <laughs> well, it terrifies my singers. So I can only imagine uh, what a, a non-singer would feel in that yeah, moment. Exactly. Now, you have this really great program. And I just signed up for it. And I'm so excited. So um, January is always... It's a tough month, like after the holidays, um, you know, going back to school, getting back into the routine is really tough, not just for teachers, but for students. And you have this 30 day studio refresh program. So I would love for you to tell everybody about that. I'm really excited to get started on it. But tell everybody what what you have going on. Yeah, so um, started on the 2nd of January. So there's plenty of days still to go. Um <laughs> And it's really just one challenge every single day to help you improve your teaching or your studio, your business, that kind of thing in some kind of way. So some of the challenges are just to think about the way you do something. Mm. And some of them are bigger things like I have downloads. Like uh, The first day is actually a a self-assessment for your studio. So that's to think about, you know, how many students you have, what levels they are and go in depth that kind of way. Mm. but then some are much shorter. So I know everybody doesn't have an hour to spend on this every day. So most of them are only going to take a few minutes. Um, and it's a way to, yeah, kickstart 2017 the right way that you can feel good that you're doing something every day Ooh. and improving yourself and your teaching for the new year. Wow, I love that. Uh, that is a great... Can I ask how you came up with that idea? Um, well, I'd seen... 30 day challenges of different types, um, like yoga or Mm. anything else you can, uh, you know, the juicers do it and stuff like that. (laughs) The, the, the smoothie people have their 30 day challenge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'd seen them around, but the idea to do one this January and to do it in this way really came from a lot of teachers telling me that they were just completely overwhelmed. Mm. I'd hear this again and again, that yes. there's so much stuff online. There's so many things they could be doing. They could try this book. They could read that blog post. They could, you know, spend hours and hours on Pinterest if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, yeah. And they would just collect all these ideas, but they weren't using them. They weren't doing anything about it because there were just too many. And so that's why it's one challenge every day. It's some small little action you can take that doesn't completely disrupt your whole day. It doesn't have to be this huge commitment. It's just a little thing to improve yourself. Um, So that was really the idea behind it was to get people to focus on one thing at a time and talk about how that might work Wow! um, to improve their teaching that way. What a great idea. Well, I'm excited to get started on that. Um, now, I have a question. So uh, if if people sign up like mid-month, um, how does that work? Well, they'll still get the challenge that we're working on that day. Oh, I because, see. Okay, perfect. Um, they want to be, we want everyone to be on the same page, but gotcha. everything is on the blog. So you can go back and do the uh, challenges that you've missed if you want to or look through and you know pick and choose the ones that appeal to you if you're a bit late getting started so (laughs) okay that sounds great now I wanted to ask you um are you uh 
I mean, you're so busy, you're blogging, you're teaching, uh, with productivity, like, are you one of those really organized people that has a schedule, that follows the schedule? Would you, would, would you be one of those people? Um, no, I'm just <laughs> laughing because uh, as we sit here, which you didn't see when we were video chatting, but you saw the mess that is currently in my office. You wouldn't oh. ask me if I'm organizing stuff everywhere. Um, but no, I'm much more a to-do list person. And right. I want to do the thing I want to do right now. So I don't try and schedule it all out. Obviously, I'm very organized with teaching and, mm. and timetabling that. But the rest of it, no, it's movable. Right. I just um, do the thing that appeals to me at that time or the thing <laughs> that has to get done right now. Yeah, that sounds um, like me. <laughs> yeah. But it is a good feeling to cross things off the list. So yes, yes. That keeps you going. I think the list, if you've got a list, you, you'll you'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> if it's written down somewhere, it's almost done, right? Oh, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> it's half the work. Half the work is writing down the, the, the task on your list. And I, I think you're correct. I think there is a, a bit of satisfaction that we made the list. Whether or not we complete the list is another thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We just don't want to create lists that are so long or unrealistic that you're never satisfied. You need to be able to get to the end of it. Mm, yeah, that's my problem. I put out these epic lists that no human being could possibly yeah. complete. And then I have guilt. I Then I feel bad. I'm like, I'm a bad human being because I did not finish 27 tasks in the last yeah. three hours. No, I used to I used to be so guilty of that as well. And I would have a list in this notebook and that notebook. And now I literally at the start of the week, I write a post-it of the lit, just a list of things that have to get done. Right. That week. Well, that's and I smart. stick it on my desk, directly on my desk. And then it's staring you in the face. Like I these like are the that. things that have to happen. Stop distracting <laughs> yourself. I love that. I love that. Now you have also created, um, some really interesting resources. And, uh, um, one of them that I noticed was, um, practice cards. Oh yeah. Tell me yeah, about the practice cards. I, I might steal that idea for my singers. So, so tell us about the practice cards. Yeah, so uh, there's two sets. Uh, the first one's playful practice and the second one is pensive practice. Okay. Um, and each one, there's a hundred cards in each mm -hmm. with just different directions of a way to practice something. So they're all general. They, I mean, they're specific to piano in that we talk about right hand, left hand. Right. But um, they're all general things that you could apply to any piece. Oh, and there's okay. five different categories. Uh, so you are either experimenting with the style of the piece or the rhythm or different things like that. Um, and the idea is just that students will draw out one card and they'll practice the piece in that way. The whole concept behind it is that a lot of the time when students are practicing, they're actually just half asleep. They're not mm. really there. Mm -hmm. They're not really paying attention and they waste so much time. I tell them all the time, like you could save so much of your time mm. and then have extra time to go play football or whatever it is you want to do. <laughs> you're just wasting this time because you're not concentrating properly. So it's all, they're all different things that will keep them alert because they have to be thinking like mm. one of the tasks, they have to play their right hand with their left hand and their left hand with their right hand. So they're crossing their hands over oh, each other. Oh, that would they have be to a play challenge. The, yeah, an, an octave higher and an octave lower. So they're further apart than normal. They're just mm. little tricks that make them stay awake and really 
you know, notice what they're looking at and what they're playing. Oh. Than just going on autopilot. Now, what are the five, the five uh, um, subjects? So you've got a hundred five, five topics. Yeah, twenty cards in each. So there's the style. Um, okay. So, you know, one of them is to play standing up like Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. So some of them are like academic, and some of them are just silly and fun. I love that. Um, and then there's rhythm. So that's analyzing the rhythm in some way and most of that is done without playing anything you know they're tapping it or they're playing it on the lid that's that kind of thing uh there's jumble which is you know basically they might be starting in the middle or playing every second bar so they're not playing all the consecutive bars Mm. um yeah you really would have to think about that wouldn't you you do yeah you can't you can't turn your brain off on that one (laughs) yeah yeah um what are the two others? Uh, oh, there's memory. So some sometimes they wouldn't need to go to that that set. That's uh, if they are memorizing the piece, right, really. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, so that's those cards. I love that. So you had playful, and then you had pensive. Yes. So okay. Explain the pensive. <laughs> pensive, like thoughtful. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so playful is like uh late el- elementary to early intermediate that oh, sort of I level see. so okay grade one to two if we're talking in exam terms and mm-hmm. then uh pensive would be slightly slightly more challenging and sort of assuming that all their pieces are hands together that sort of thing mm, okay i see excellent now um you also have uh some theory resources as well so you've created some some theory workbooks so tell us about those yeah, that was actually my latest project. Um, so I was working on that for the past, well, not the past year, but until they were released in November, about a year mm-hmm. um, on those. And that was really because our local exam board has their own theory books, but I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a student preparing for a theory exam and she was just miserable because she, she had to catch up her mm. theory exam level to her current practical piano exam level and she's also a transfer student who moved here from Serbia so she's from a completely different system everything Mm. is different over there and um, you know she also was used to American terms and we use UK so it was all a big mess but we had to catch her up through basically four grade levels and she was well capable of sitting the grade four exam but we had to get there Right. And to get there, we had to use these workbooks and they were just, they're fine, but they're very, very dry. Mm. And at the same time as being dry, they use a lot of extraneous words. So like they'll just explain something and I'm like, this could be explained in five words, but right. you've chosen to write all these sentences. And like, you know, it's supposed to be for kids. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's why I started the theory workbooks. Um, and as I worked on them, different things would come up that I wished were included in, in theory books that I could find. So mm-hmm. they gradually evolved that way. So they're very simple explanations. Um, there's a game suggested at the start of each book, which you can play with the flashcards, which are for free with the book. Oh wow! So you can play these flashcard, different memory games, you know, like, like snap, that kind of thing. Fun. It's a way to use the flashcards in a fun way. Yeah. Not just drilling them. 
Right. That's awesome. Uh, Music theory is fun if you make it fun. It doesn't have to be boring and dull. Yeah. And it can be straightforward as well. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah. I mean, until you get to the really late grades, it's it's not really that hard. No, no. Uh, It just needs to be explained clearly and concisely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the other thing about the workbooks was that the concepts are reviewed, you know, Uh, throughout the book. It's Mm -hmm. not you learn this on this page and then it's gone forever, which it seems to be in most of the books I've seen. Which, how are they supposed to remember that? Then they just have to revise their workbook. That doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah. Nice. Now, you teach uh, usually 45-minute lessons? Most students would take 45. If they're young and a beginner, they can start with 30. But right. most of the time, 30 minutes is just... Now, do you teach the theory in the lesson or do they have do they have uh, like a, another lesson for theory or do you put the two together the two are together for the most part but we have um optional extra theory classes once a month so oh, nice yeah we do those as well so they can choose to go to those but those are sort of themed on different things and they would include theory games as well so like the last one we did was uh Beethoven oh. so because it was around Beethoven's birthday. So we did Beethoven theme, but we also do lots of theory games too there because it's much more fun to play a game with people your own age instead of with your teacher in the lesson (laughs) because (laughs) usually the only choice they have. So um, just have me as a game player with them. Right. I agree. I think they like to play with their their friends more than they like to play with us. (laughs) Yeah. And also you have to kind of handicap yourself in some way. You have to find some way to make it that they could win. So, (laughs) you know, it's kind of awkward. Well, you're a nice teacher. I never let my students win. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Now, uh, how many kids would you have in, in these classes, like these once a month classes? Um, Yeah, we call them piano parties, actually. So they're, they're, to yeah bring on the fun um yeah there's about in each one maybe between four and ten okay um, and then there's two classes a semester as well that are performance ones so those would be bigger I'd have pretty much most of the kids who are going to be in the concert we do a group class for that too a few weeks before nice so they play for each other to get oh, ready oh beautiful for, for everyone. yeah nice and how many recitals do you usually put on a year at uh, two 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 yeah so did you have one in the winter and then one in the spring kind of thing? I'm actually doing a January one this oh. year, so I haven't had any yet because <gasps> January is technically halfway through the year. And mm. I decided with everything else that happens at Christmas and with, you know, there's recitals for everything and there's mm-hmm. school concerts and all this sort of stuff that I thought we would do a January one. So, yeah, January Jam is at the end of this month. Wonderful. I love that. That's actually a really great idea because um, you're right. The Christmas time is really challenging to get in a recital and families are so busy. But January is a good time. That's I might yeah. I might steal that from you, Nicole. <laughs> do, do. Nothing else <laughs> happens in January. You know, right? you're sitting at home. That's might true. Well listen to some music. That's true. Now, uh, I like to, when I when I talk to teachers, one of the things that uh, I like to ask them is, um, well, two questions. The first question is, what is the aspect of teaching that you absolutely adore? Like, what is it that you just love in, um, in your job? I love 
which I think would be a lot of people's answer. I love the moment when a student gets something, mm. when you finally get it to click and there's this big smile. Nice. You just know it's sunk in and they've really got it and really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but I also love when they get to create things and they, they there's that other clicking moment where they realize what music can do, realize what they can do with their skills um, and how it can open up you know, improvisation or whatever we're working on, how they can use that. Beautiful. Now, okay, here's my other question. What is the aspect of your teaching business that you do not like? What's the, what's your least favorite activity? It's my least favorite activity. Uh, dealing with awkward parent conversations mm. is probably the, the <laughs> toughest part, whether it's about and it doesn't happen often. I have a very good, well-trained studio of parents. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, if there is something where they've misunderstood how much they have to pay for something or when they need to do this or that, or if in particular, if I get transfer students who they've been told by a previous teacher that they're at a certain level and they're not. Right. That's That's a really awkward one to have to try and break it to them that no, just because they sat grade three does not mean that they can actually play as well as you think they can so yeah that's the that's the tough conversations but once you get through them they're Mm. fine yeah (laughs) you get to get back to teaching right right (laughs) okay so uh nicola thank you so much for joining me today and sharing uh, all this wonderful information about your teaching studio and about your blog Uh, on our podcast page what i'm going to do is i'm going to put links to your beautiful website by the way you have a lovely well-organized colorful uh website which is (laughs) so the right word right (laughs) no it's so inspiring to see teachers that have really been able to put their energy and their passion for teaching online for other people to see and of course for students and parents to see as well so I really think teachers should if they get a chance should check out your fantastic website and um we'll definitely in the future have you back We'll, uh, or maybe I'll just visit you. I've always wanted to go to Ireland. <laughs> yeah, come on over. <laughs> it's Tell not as across the pond. It's just a little flight, right? <laughs> yeah. So, thank you so much, and I am uh, I'm wishing you all the best in 2017, and thank you for being my first international uh, guest. I'm honored. <laughs> uh, so, and uh, and yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And um, yeah, it was wonderful to talk to you. So there we are. A special thank you to Nicola for being our guest today. And it is not too late to be part of the 30-Day Music Teaching Studio Refresh. I have to tell you, it's a lot of fun. Every day I get a little email from Nicola. There's a little activity. It usually makes me smile. It makes me think. And it makes me get to work. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, If you would like more information or if you want to sign up, if you visit our podcast page, uh, thefullvoice.com backslash podcast, you'll see a link to Nicola's blog, Colorful Keys, and to the sign up. And I highly recommend that you check out her blog, Colorful Keys. Colorful is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R-F-U-L. That would be the proper way of spelling it. Anyhow, have a lovely, lovely day. And as always, Happy New Year and 
happy singing. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. CanoeMusic.ca Always, thank you for listening and happy singing. And did you hear that? That was my little kitten. Do you hear her? Faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I just did a really good take there, and you kind of ruined it. Well, you didn't like it. No, you didn't like that? Okay, I'll do it again. Thanks. All right. Okay, I know, I know. Fine. I'll do it again. Fine.